You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information on any of the topics you hear today, or to learn more about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. Your Holiness, how wonderful to see you again. Uh, And I'd like to welcome everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining us from time zones around the world. My name is Nancy Lindborg. I'm the president and CEO of the United Institute uh, of Peace, which is a nonpartisan, independent national institute founded by the US Congress 36 years ago, dedicated to preventing and resolving violent conflict around the world. And I'm honored to welcome you to an important conversation today on conflict, COVID, and compassion in partnership with the office of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. Since 2015, I have had the remarkable opportunity to travel to Dharamsala each year with a small group of simply extraordinary young peace builders, 20 of whom are with us here for this conversation. Each of them is a part of the USIP Generation Change Fellows Network, and each of them have grown up in and around some of the worst conflicts around the world, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Somalia, Venezuela, and each of them in the face of violence and anger and hopelessness, each has chosen to be a peace builder in their own community. Each has chosen hope. And every year, we've had the opportunity to to have a conversation with His Holiness on how to maintain the inner peace that enables you to build outer peace. How do you maintain that compassion and resilience? This year, unfortunately, we're not able to come to Dharamsala because of the pandemic. And it's a time when this issue seems more urgent than ever. We're watching the world struggle with the global pandemic, and we're seeing how people are often alone. They're isolated and afraid. They're losing loved ones. The pandemic is laying bare some of the inequity and um, injustice in too many countries. And we're seeing how COVID, particularly in conflict countries, is increasing hunger, upheaval, violence, and repression. So this conversation is more urgent than ever. We're so grateful, Your Holiness, for this opportunity to have yet another conversation with you on how to maintain that inner compassion and resilience. Um, The next hour will be a question and answer session. First, I, Nancy, will ask several questions, and then I will ask four of our Generation Change Fellows to ask you questions. Our audience can follow the, quest, the conversation on Twitter with hashtag Dalai Lama USIP. So let's get started. Your Holiness, it is so wonderful to see you again. Thank you for having this conversation with us this evening. Um, so I'll get started with question number one. Uh, we first met in 2015 and we discussed building a partnership based on our shared vision of a world without violent conflict. This is the vision that animates the U.S. Institute of Peace. And you often talk about the 21st century being the century to end violent conflict. How do you think we're doing 20 years into this 
century? Are we on track? And what should we all be doing to make sure we stay on track? That's my question. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, since many years, you, see, we, you come with a group of young people. Uh, so I always remember. So I very much appreciate your interest or your sort of effort. Thank you. Now, uh, I feel world they compare the previous century and even within this century, I think early part uh, and later part there are differences. Early part, we very much sort of uh, interest or believe military power. So it is spent a lot of money and the scientists, their uh, brilliant brain use the how to make destructive weapon. Now that sort of, that way of thinking, I think diminishing. Because the, firstly, our experience and previous century, uh, First World War, Second World War, and then including use uh, nuclear weapon. Now, in after Second World War, a number of years, people say Third World War, Third World War. Oh, uh, now that kind of thinking, now I think disappear. And meantime, I always see telling people, uh, look, European Union, the spirit of European Union, in early part of the previous century, uh, previous century uh, the, these uh, European countries, and especially like France and Germany, they are truly sort of arch enemy, fighting, killing. Then the very leader of these two nations, Adenauer of Germany, German Chancellor, and then de Gaulle, French leader, these two, then they uh, create the European Union. So since the European Union developed, then at least the last few decades among these uh, members of European Union never 
gelin icada. Uh, then also you see gradually uh, you see the people uh, realize nuclear weapon uh, you see uh, or see the too dangerous so the people you see start work denuclearization step by step so i feel the uh, previous century we uh, i think very much excited about um, the as the uh, material um, technology or technology it is so impressed so you see people you see much pay attention about the technology including uh, uh, also build a nuclear weapon these things then later part of 20th century that thinking gradually reduce as i mentioned earlier european union spirit uh, develop so i feel i have the view see the early part of 20th century uh, or previous century we too much emphasis about the material thing technology thing now gradually you see we uh, become more human being so you see basic human nature as is some scientists say we are social animal any social animal the sense of concern of their community by nature because without their community individual uh, cannot survive so we human being social animal as soon as we born you see our life entirely uh, depend on our mother's care and then mother also uh, without their neighbor one just one one parent difficult to manage so that's the human nature we are social animal so by nature we have this uh, sense of community and as uh, the loving kindness each other then the uh, very basis as soon as we born uh, without any sort of introduction or uh, knowledge of who is that that person who take us and give us milk mother so without any introduction as soon as born you see we totally relying on that person mother 
and mother side also, uh, you see, taking care as soon as born. And by nature, milk, mother's milk. So that's the uh, very nature. So I think uh, we can say for survival, for survival, the more altruistic attitude, taking care of other. So on this planet, Very small insect, I don't know. But otherwise, you see, those uh, uh, fly and birds and animals, all these survived with a sense of taking care. Firstly, their own children, their own community. So these uh, are nothing to do with religion, biological factor nature. So then, <clears throat> I usually also they feel and also express all religion, religion of human being. So all human beings' religion, you see, talking about best human quality, that is human love. So all major religious tradition in spite different place, different time, different situation, uh, and uh, eventually different philosophical view, but all carry same message, message of love, all religion. So therefore, uh, we human nature is more compassionate nature. Now, in, uh, in, in, in the past, we too much sort of pay attention about uh, material or technology, these things. Now, I feel we human beings, generally speaking, we human beings becoming more mature. So now, uh, we pay more attention including scientists now paying more attention about our inner value, inner peace. So now, <clears throat> I uh, sort of, I have strong view in our existing education system should, must include uh, education about our inner world. Mm. Uh, Besides, you see, education about our physical condition, including our brain, then mind, emotion, should include part of our education. Because emotion, very important in our life. The positive emotion give us inner peace, inner strength. Destructive emotion is to destroy our inner peace and eventually our physical health also destroy by 
too much anger, too much fear. These are destructive emotion. So now, uh, uh, time come, we have to pay more attention about our mind, about our emotion. So this uh, should be, should include in education about health. So this uh, description about emotion not, should not consider a part of religion, but simply academic subject and related with our, our physical health. Mental health, more peaceful mind, peaceful emotion, automatically, you see the, the immune system, our body, and including blood pressure, all become very normal. Too much anxiety, too much anger, too much fear. Then the, the, the uh, blood pressure increase, and all sort of physical normal element then become abnormal. So therefore, this knowledge uh, should take as a as the academic subject the physical health, physical health, like that. We too much, and we very much sort of taking care about hygiene of physical. Now we should include hygiene of emotion. That's very important. That also, according Indian tradition, secular way, and not related with religion, whether religious-minded or even anti-religion. That's okay. That's private business. But as a human being, you see, we need some knowledge about our emo system of our emotion, then try to, uh, how say they, uh, try to get peace of mind like that. So now, young people, uh, young student, you are uh, beginning, or begin, or so I think start real life. Uh, when you are young, mother take care, not much problem. Uh, then join school, uh, even sort of college, these things, they're not much sort of uh, pay attention about our inner peace. So materialistic sort of education, you see, bring us more anxiety or sense of competition, uh, like that. So the education without these inner, inner quality, then better education, more anxiety, more frustration. So now, uh, in our education, should include education about our inner peace, inner mind, inner world. So now, we, 
Kazoda, to the first century, to the first century. I think with help of scientists, particularly scientists about brain, with their help uh, in education field, we should include uh, education about how to build inner peace. And through individual inner peace, then peace community, and then eventually whole humanity. You see, through that kind of education, then we really can develop peaceful world. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the previous century, we pay much attention uh, about the weapon, these things. Now, we should pay more attention about our inner peace so that genuine world peace can achieve. So my number one commitment is I'm a human being. I also have all this emotion. So with clear sort of, as I recognize, some of the emotions are very destructive, some of the emotions are very very good. So with that knowledge, you see, trying to, uh, trying to reduce destructive emotion and increase constructive emotion. Now here, according the quantum physics, you see, as, as a result of our discussion, I got the impression the Quantum physicists, you see, uh, there is uh, also the differences, appearance and deeper level of reality. So all these destructive emotions, such as anger, attachment, fear, all these uh, destructive emotions very much based on appearances, not deeper level. So deeper level, then uh, some quantum physicists, they say deeper level, not, not like appearances. So appearances, uh, a quantum physicist, you see, uh, people, some, the, uh, the, as a student of quantum physics, they uh, realize things does not exist as appears, then all those destructive emotions very much based on appearances. So the antidote of that emotion go deeper level, then nothing exists as appears. So this, the uh, ancient Indian uh, Buddhist also school of thought also used to mention that most of the destructive emotion very much based on grasping the objective because the object something independently exists so something good attachment something bad hatred anger uh, so these are appearances deeper level 
Now, quantum physics, they say, deeper level, these uh, not exist as appears. At deeper level, all are particle. Uh, we cannot sort of pinpoint. And then ultimately, depend on our mental attitude, the observer, observer side. Uh, so long observer there, and because of the Tanya Cheva, because we using language. Oh, so identify like that. Then uh, these emotions come. So uh, deeper level, nothing as appears. So all the destructive emotion based on appearances. So once we realize uh, these appearances does not exist in deeper level. So these, now some quantum physicists uh, mentioned that. Uh, and of course, uh, some, my own conclusion. Perhaps I have some influence of Buddhist philosophy. <laughs> All our uh, destructive emotion. This is very much uh, based on kasa. Grasping. Grasping. Things. Grasping. Good. And attachment. Things. Bad. Uh, grasping. Bad. Then fear. Anger. So the Buddhist tradition, Buddhist philosophy, Buddhist psychology, you see, mentioned uh, things does not exist as appears. So the very basis of negative emotion no longer there. Things just mere designated designation. Like Nagarjuna and Ajanta uh, Kirti in their writing clearly mentioned. So I myself as a Buddhist student, you see, uh, learn these things and practice, implement, or really they are very, very helpful to maintain peace of mind. So now some scientists also now showing interest like that. So my number one commitment is promotion of or say the inner peace, through inner peace, world peace can achieve. Firstly, individual inner peace, then family level inner peace, then community level inner, through inner peace, genuine peace, then through education uh, and also so through use some technology information. Through, I mean, uh, through that way, you see, we can teach, we can share these uh, deeper knowledge, deeper experience. Ancient time, you see, different continent, different country, uh, different uh, sort of tradition. So now, world become small, smaller, much smaller. So we can easily exchange information. So my number one commitment is try to promote 
peace of mind uh, or more compassionate mind. Entire seven billion human being, uh, irrespective uh, whether believer or non-believer, simply they taking care about the inner peace. And I, as I mentioned earlier, I describe the uh, subject of kasa. Ka. Psychology. Oh. Philosophy. As the hygiene of physical. Similarly, hygiene of emotion. So my number one commitment is try to share as much as I can. Uh, so the real troublemaker is not outside, but inside. <laughs> uh, if the inside troublemaker, suspicion, uh, fear, anger, these, uh, if you uh, can maintain or keep quiet, then you surrounded by your enemy, troublemaker, uh, instead of anger, fear, you you may sort of develop a sense of concern of this troublemaker, how ignorance, how sort of also the short-sightedness, like that. So this is my number one commitment. Number two commitment, promotion of religious harmony. It is unthinkable. Now, in the name of religion, you see fighting and killing. Just next our neighbor country, Syria, uh, Iran, and then Afghanistan, Pakistan, these also sometimes, you see, even within Muslim, the Shia and Sunni, sometimes you see, difficult situation. So same Quran, same Allah, uh, it's the same sort of daily prayer, but then uh, fighting. So my number two commitment is try to promote religious harmony. Look, India, all major world religious tradition live together over a thousand years. Generally, uh, very harmonious. different sort of philosophical sort of views and some debate that is even within Buddhism, within Nalanda tradition, there are a number of different sort of philosophical view and a lot of debate through centuries. So uh, that is intellectual sort of uh, differences, very helpful is to open our mind, just believe one thing, then our mind, our intelligence remain like that. It's a different philosophy, different tradition, then our brain 
open and the sea. Like it's a garden, one flower, one kind of flower, not much attractive. A garden, not a lot of different, different sort of flower, different color, different smell, different size, then looks very attractive. So world, now India, I think the human garden through thousand years, there's a lot of different uh, uh, flower, different color, different taste, like that. So since India is over 3,000 years, you see these different religious traditions live together, so it is possible, religious harmony. So I committed. Uh, I think the, also the Indian Muslim, because they always, you see, since their childhood, they already know there are different religions. So they take for granted different religious tradition. Whereas those country, only one religion. And now even Muslim country, even Shia, uh, then in their eye, Sunni, something different. And of course, Buddhism and Hinduism, uh, something different. So now today, world become one small human community. So uh, exchange or visit uh, Muslim sort of brother, sister, come to uh, different places and then sit together and exchange. I have, uh, I, 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 I develop one sort of Muslim, uh, international Muslim conference, mainly uh, headed by Ladakhi Muslim. Originally I suggested and they arranged. So eventually, from time to time, now these days, the illness <laughs> that <laughs> isolated everybody. <laughs> so I think now, uh, eventually, this uh, will change. So, uh, so you see, from time to time, uh, religious conference and very useful. and people remain a little bit distance each other, then had the impression that's different religion. It is different than our religion, then some kind of little distance. Uh, that's the source of problem, like that. So Thank you, your host. I, I always uh, I said, look, India is the example. All major world religious traditions live together. Occasionally, some problem here and there. That sometimes mainly politicians, you see, uh, causing some problem. But basically, India, I think, wonderful. 
Your Holiness, thank you. I'd like to ask one more question um, before turning to our youth peace builders. And that is, you know, today is International Youth Day. And we know that more than half of the world's youth population live in conflict-affected countries. Um, and our partnership over the past five years has been based on a shared conviction that youth are absolutely vital for building a more peaceful world into the future. So Your Holiness, my question for you is, have you, how have young people inspired you personally? And do you have specific advice for them on how to create a more peaceful world? Anything in addition to what you just said? I think whole, how should they, atmosphere, this planet. Uh, now, firstly, uh, economy, global economy, no national boundary. Uh, and then more communicate. So younger generation, you see, come through that kind of situation is more broad-minded. In hmm. ancient time, more isolate. Uh, my own experience, when we were in Tibet, only Buddhism, Buddhism, and to some extent, some Muslim. Otherwise, we, we ourselves isolated. Then come to uh, India as a refugee, more opportunity meeting with people. Then you see this, your the view, much sort of broader, very useful. So now younger generation, uh, generally because of these wider contract and information. So I think generally speaking, the younger generation's mind is much more open, much more broad-minded. So, so I feel, and then as I mentioned earlier, the event in 20th century, now 21st century, now humanity becoming more mature, more realistic. In ancient time, a little bit isolate, uh, then narrow-minded. So now things are, I feel, uh, much better, I feel. Okay. Yes, let, let me turn to the wonderful uh, youth peace builders who have joined us this evening uh, and this morning. And the first is Lorena Gomez, who you'll recognize she was with us last year. And she's from Colombia, where she works on resilience uh, and dialogue through travel and storytelling. Lorena. Right. I'm very happy to see you again. Um, Your Holiness, I want you to know that our time together last October um, really touched my heart and is now helping me redefine how people in my country think about peace. Normally, we only see it as ceasefire or as a political issue, but now through webinars and press articles, 
I'm encouraging to reflect, I'm encouraging others to reflect more about our inner values and to promote, to cultivate um, peace of mind. So, Your Holiness, you have faced significant um, uncertainty and upheaval in your life. And oh, yes. I, th I think here. Yes. Oh. That's your question. I continue. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to the question. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was saying you have faced significant uncertainty and upheaval in your life. And in my question is, according to the coronavirus context, how have you coped with uncertainty in your life? And what advice can you give people on how to maintain their peace of mind when they are losing their jobs, their businesses, and their loved ones? Now, this something, of course, unfortunate. Now, many people, including many institutions and scientists, they are, you see, uh, making experiments. You see, try to find uh, medicine. But overall, as I already mentioned, uh, the as also the uh, Buddhist literature mentioned, so long. Destructive emotion inside their life always face some problem. Uh, so it is quite nature. Uh, so eventually, uh, your sort of the mind through also the. Uh, to understand the reality, then which basis of all destructive emotion then reduce. So the problem, outside problem, see, even Buddha cannot remove. Uh, Jesus Christ also cannot remove. So long, all spiritual leaders, uh, then, you see, uh, they mentioned inner world, the theistic religion, like Christianity, Judaism, and Muslim, and so on, you see, they emphasize faith here. Uh, and uh, try to tolerance, forgiveness, uh, contentment, like that. The, like Buddha, Buddhism, you see, the more 
philosophical sort of field. As I mentioned earlier, quantum physics, the uh, nothing exists as appears. So the reality, uh, uh, not independently exist, all are mental projection. So that really very, very helpful. You see, when you uh, face problem, uh, not uh, running after problem, but look uh, in a mind, then uh, outside thing, no matter what complicated, but you can keep peace of mind. So that much, according to my own experience, uh, no matter what sort of external things or situation, but your own mind through practice of shunyata or emptiness uh, and uh, through practice of altruism, you can keep peace of mind. Those uh, followers of a theistic religion think God. That also, you see, no matter how complicated the situation, you can keep their peace of mind. Then, uh, according Buddhism, within Buddhism, according Nalanda tradition, you see, not only just relying on faith, but use reason. So we call analytical meditation extremely useful. So I practice these things. So my life now, 86 years old, uh, whole my life, you see, grow in complicated situation. But I can keep peace of mind because of these knowledge, how to keep inner peace. And then uh, one, I think, useful thing is uh, the Buddhism, according to Buddhism, the old sentient being, uh, our mother sentient being, we usually uh, describe mother sentient being. Uh, and then in any case, uh, the, through, uh, uh, I mean, Realistically speaking, seven billion human beings are our brothers, sisters. All are the way to born, the way to gone, to go. All the same. So while alive, you see, destructive emotion there, constructive emotion there, all destructive emotion ultimately based on ignorance. Constructive emotion based on reason. So, with this knowledge, as an academic subject, a uh, secular way, uh, I'm trying to uh, share seven billion human beings 
how to keep inner peace. Ultimately, the compassionate mind. Basic human nature is, since we are social animal, so compassionate, uh, compassion is part of our mind. Like that, okay. So I believe uh, eventually uh, seven billion human beings can be more uh, compassionate through reason. Okay. Thank you, Your Holiness. Um, we'll, we'll turn to our second uh, Generation Change Fellow, uh, Samia Agarwal, who is from India. She was with us last year in 2019, and she is the co-founder of Youth for Peace International. Samia. Tashi okay. Dalek, uh, Your Holiness. It's an, it's an honor meeting with you today, virtually. After meeting with you in Dharamshala in 2019, I have been practicing compassion, not just with others, but also with myself. Your Holiness, you have taught us all that all religions teach us to love our neighbors and to strive for justice. My question to you is, how can we practice compassion with people who are abusers or perpetrators of injustice. Thank you. Oh, as Buddha, you see, mentioned uh, four noble truths, uh, suffering and cause of suffering. So he paid more attention about cause of suffering. Okay. Suffering already there. Now we do not want this suffering. So uh, the suffering will not go, just disappear. Uh, since the suffering due to cause, so we must pay more attention about cause. So those people who create problem to other people hmm, and uh, don't care about truth or moral principle. Uh, actually, uh, they are committing, you see, source of also the negative commitment because of the negative karma, negative karma. So in future, they have to face as, you see, uh, the, the second noble truth uh, we committed, then first noble truth, suffering, we cannot avoid. So, so therefore, those people who committed a negative karma eventually bring more suffering on themselves. So there is more reason to feel sympathy and compassion. So, mm -hmm. and then also, you see, people who create more problem to other. I think on the world, in world history, like Hitler, uh, and then some other sort of 
or what's it, the cruel leaders. The people always consider something very bad. Oh. So then, uh, as a practitioner, you see these, uh, instead of sort of a negative feeling, you must develop sense of concern of these people. According to Indian tradition, we believe life after life, atma. So different physical, different place, but the same self. So this life, one, one life uh, time creates certain sort of karma, the uh, consequences within, even within lifetime, or if not, then next life. So we have more sense of concern or compassion to these people who committed negative action. And then also Shantadawa says, uh, your enemy is best teacher of you. You can learn. You see, uh, through their action, if everybody, you see, friendly attitude, then uh, no opportunity practice of patience. After some uh, troublemaker there, then there's the that creates best opportunity to practice of patience. Okay. Like that. So Shantadeva say, your enemy is best teacher of yourself. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank you, thank Your you. Holiness. Um, our next questioner is uh, Abdiweli Waberi. Uh, he was with us in 2018, and he works on peace building through dialogue in his home country of Somalia. Abdiweli? Uh, Your Holiness, it's an honor to see you again. Our dialogue in 2018 has continued to stay with me and helped me maintain inner peace since then to build peace back in home Somalia. Your Holiness, while leadership plays an important role in the fight against the coronavirus and pandemic has become a global issue. Some argue that COVID-19 weakens our democracy since governments are taking cruel actions to combat the virus. So your holiness, my question is, do you see different requirements for leadership in normal times and in times of crisis? Thank you. Yes, now. Worldwide, certain problems. Oh. So now, uh, time gone, my nation, my community, there's a part of the humanity. So now, humanity facing uh, the problem, so they're thinking different nationality, different religion. I think I briefly mentioned. So now, that thinking, in ancient time, your own community, your own nation. 
Now, whole world, as I mentioned earlier, 7 billion human beings. Uh, the problem, uh, these new houses, the problem, these are facing 7 billion human beings. So now, time come, we must work together. Uh, think about humanity, not thinking my nation, my community. The basic humanity, or the, because of the, 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 the humanity, seven billion human beings, they are happy, uh, overcome this problem, then each of nation, each of people get maximum benefit. So now everything, not like ancient time. Ancient time, we Tibetan in our own area, so small community. I think like you, oh, your own country, your own area, you see, more or less isolate and self-sufficient. Now today's world, something different. So we have to think about humanity. That's my view. And I always see, uh, share with other people. Okay. Thank you. Your Holiness, do you have time for one or two more questions from our youth leaders? Oh, yes. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. And our next questioner uh, is Faraz Khair from Syria, uh, who works to deliver humanitarian assistance to Syrian refugees. Faraz. Thank you, Nancy. Hello, Your Holiness. It's a pleasure meeting you again, even virtually this time. Our last meeting was inspiring. I have learned a lot from how you accumulate and spread knowledge. Your Holiness, the globe is currently sharing a common challenge, COVID-19. My question is, how can we use this distress as a chance to unite humanity encourage peace, and even helps humans understand the suffering they cause for others. Thank you. <clears throat> you see, difficult uh, situation, uh, in a way, helpful, you see, to bring unity. Now, for example, uh, we Tibetan, when we are uh, and we were in Tibet, different part uh, of Tibet. You see, sometimes you see uh, this certain sort of say, feeling of we and they, like that. Once we reach India as a refugee, now very basis of we and they, now no longer there. We have to think a common interest. So, uh, difficult situation, you see, in a way, creates, creates, you see, what's it, more inner value and unity and work together. So now to the world, there are, uh, uh, what's it, uh, 
different sort of also illness. And then uh, one serious matter is global warming. So according some scientists, now within next uh, few decades, the global warming reached such a level that many of the rivers will dry. And then eventually there is, uh, like Afghanistan, when we passing through, uh, through air, we can see the ancient time, there are a number of lakes, rivers. Now, most of them, you see, reduce. Uh, it becomes small stream or small lake, and they otherwise bear, bear, bear land to desert. So, uh, that's according to our scientists, not the religious prediction. The scientists, now they say, uh, global warming, uh, each decade, warmer, warmer, warmer. Even Dharamsala, is in my, uh, over 60 years, I stay here. So early part, uh, some more snow, then gradually less and less and less. So this indicates the sign of global kasoda, warming. warming. So now, uh, while we uh, still the human facility, I mean facility for our life still there, and we must work together and share each other and think about humanity. That's important. So there are a lot of problems. Uh, now time come to share each other. Then among them, this global level, rich and poor, poor people always remain. Rich, uh, richer, uh, more, making more money. So this gap, rich and poor, international level and national level. Now this gap, uh, this I think we must pay more attention to reduce this gap. Okay. Our next questioner, Your, Your, Highness, Your Holiness, is uh, Hadi Kufala. She was with us in 2018. She's from Libya, where she's a human rights activist and journalist. Hadi? Um, hello, Your Holiness. Um, it's such an honor being here with you again. And um, as I learned from you in 2018, that we can get over all of these internal conflict consequences by believing in power of compassion. And now, as you know, the displaced people are suffering greatly with the COVID-19. And these people are physically and emotionally affected by war and health crisis. So my question is, from your experience with displacement, how can displaced people take care of themselves spiritually? 
Now here, according to my own experience, the thinking oneness of seven billion human beings. Is that very helpful? When I visit, when I, I said, left our own country, India, uh, another human, uh, human community. And of course, we have thousand years some uh, special relations. Uh, with that feeling, oneness of human being, when I visit Europe, see color, shape, their face, and particularly their nose, <laughs> you see, there are little differences, but emotional level, same. Mental level, due to certain cultural heritage, little differences, otherwise basically same. So the sense of oneness of seven billion human beings is very useful wherever you go. Still human, uh, human land. So you, if, if we Tibetan, you see, uh, I said there's too much sort of emphasis, we Tibetan something, I said unique, then lost our own country and come to a different country, then feel something different. But the one, one so the Buddhist sort of uh, the terminology, something we usually call mother-centered being. All sentient beings, and including all, also the human being on this planet, we are, you see, a mother-centered being. So that a very helpful is it to think oneness of seven billion human beings. Small, small differences, that's uh, on a superficial level. Deeper level, we are the same. Okay. So your holiness, last question is from Hassam Maneja, Maneja uh, from Tunisia. Casa Tunisia. Tunisia. Yes. Your Holiness, it's an honor to see you again. Our dialogue in 2019 has been a remarkable event and your words have been resonating with me ever since, especially on the plight for human rights, democracy and freedom for all. Your Holiness, with COVID-19, we have seen governments exploit the crisis to further their own agendas, whether enforcing authoritarian measures or cracking down on civil society and limiting the spaces they're operating in. My question is, what advice would you give to peace builders who face more restrictions and authoritarianism in the conflict sensitive areas they must navigate? Thank you. Tunisia. Tunisia. Now, I feel uh, there is a real gap uh, see, mental level, the thinking, 
old way of thinking. We, 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 we. Uh, then the, the situation, the reality, much change. So that's, I think, source of problem. In, in ancient time, you see, your own nation, uh, more or less isolated, and think uh, your own country. Now today, that's just my nation, my nation, and including my party, uh, my group, uh, and eventually, you see, dictator. You see, these are according the ancient sort of situation, there's something relevant. Now, today's world, no longer that reality. So, we have to think we rather than I. So, uh, Tunisia, like Tunisia, uh, I think uh, we need a wider contact with other people. Now, including the what say, a tourist visit, different place, different culture, different language. Uh, and then, meantime, you see, the, through education, we seven billion human beings are same human beings uh, who live on this same planet. And as I already mentioned, global uh, economy and all these now, all thinking, just we, I, I, that gone. Now the new reality, we seven billion human beings have to live together and under that circumstances, just sort of exclusive sort of, cause of right or thinking about your own community, your own nation within one country uh, due to different religious faith or little, little sort of differences or different part of your own country, Tunisia, uh, a different part. You see, there are some differences. Now, these are minor. Okay. Now, time come. We have to think more because wider perspective than not just thinking your own community. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Your Holiness, thank you so much for joining us this evening and for sharing your wisdom, uh, especially during these difficult times. This was an extraordinary opportunity to be able to renew this dialogue with you. Um, I want to thank Your Holiness's audiovisual team, uh, Tenzin Takla and Setan Samdu. They have been extraordinary partners with us for this evening. The miracle of technology of bringing people in from all around the world. Thank you also to our good friends in the office of His Holiness, Setan and Chimi. Um, I wanna make a, a special note, Your Holiness, and the, that is the very first week of my working at USIP in 2015, I had the remarkable opportunity to meet you when you were here in Washington. This is my last week at USIP. And so having the opportunity for this conversation with you tonight, 
is a wonderful and heartening bookend to my time at an exceptional institution working with exceptional people like these peace builders. Um, we're so grateful for the partnership with you and with your office. I want to give a special thanks to the USIP Vice President for Applied Conflict Transformation, David Yang. David is with us here this evening. Uh, he will be carrying on this remarkable partnership, and we look forward to continuing the work together. Um, and finally, I want to thank our Fearless Generation Change fellows. Uh, I want to thank them for continuing on with their extraordinary work, with their courage and their compassion, uh, despite a lot of fear, a lot of despair in the world. They are the light of the future. Uh, and we thank them enormously. It is so uplifting to have a chance to spend this evening with them and your holiness with you. Thank you again. We're very grateful. As I already mentioned, time passes, situation changing. So we need new thinking, new outlook. Uh, the things are changing. Our thinking still remain old way of thinking. Then uh, it automatically creates your thinking and reality. So uh, youth people, you uh, better sort of city equipment to think, new look, uh, easily accept new reality. Old people, uh, I think generally like me, old people, then old thinking. My case, a little bit exception. <laughs> Age old, but thinking, uh, I think, uh, quite realistic and quite young. So the young people, you are the, I say, generation uh, who make contribution for the new world. So now time gone. You, you should not uh, think old way. You should accept a new reality. Basically, as I mentioned earlier, oneness of seven billion human beings, then global warming, these things are now new thing. So the younger generation now should open your mind. Uh, although no third eye, but two eyes should open. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so for that reason, this kind of uh, discussion, uh, you may get some new idea, and also I get some new idea. So very useful. So you, uh, since last, I think several years, you organize. You see, because uh, youth. 
Uh, so uh, I think annually meeting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I very much appreciate. Now in future, also, you see, please you organize now this kind of meeting continuously. Okay. We, we will do so. Thank you. David Yang will work with Calden Lodo to continue the partnership. Thank you. So, uh, there is some contradiction. My age, as I mentioned earlier, you see, 86 uh, old, but looks, my face looks younger. <laughs> and, and similarly, with this uh, face uh, behind there, my brain even younger. <laughs> I always used to think more realistically, realistically. Uh, so therefore, uh, see, like uh, this kind of meeting, I also learn something useful, and you also, you see, learn. Now we continuously work for humanity, uh, no matter how big, small contribution, for a better world. It is our responsibility. Thank you. Thank you. See you again next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org slash podcasts. Mm -hmm.